The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is... To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. How did you get involved in all this, Greg? I mean, you're a psychologist by trade. How did you get involved in the Casey Foundation and things like that? Well, it's, a, it's, it, it's kind of a... I've told different stories, and they all, but they all kind of relate to the the, the same events. Uh, I've always been interested in this sort of topics, but uh, I, I recently uh, was rewriting some books, and I had forgotten quite a bit. So uh, I'll go back to 1972 when I started graduate school uh, at what was then Memphis State University. Mm-hmm. My major professor, who had a Ph.D. in, in psychopharmacology from Vanderbilt University, uh, was married uh, to a psychiatrist. She had her M.D. from Vanderbilt University. And 1972 was the heyday of things like spoon-bending parties, key-bending parties, yep, people yep. doing experiments with uh, pyramids, pyramid power. Uh, there was a lot of trance-channeling going on at the time. And my major professor and his wife, when I started graduate school, they started taking me along to every one of these things, uh, like trance-channeling that was going on. We went to hundreds of these in the Memphis, Tennessee area. We went to spoon-bending parties and key-bending parties. Uh, we watched people do it. We were not able to do it, though. Uh, I wasn't very impressed with most of the uh, trans-channeling that I saw. But we did do, oh, yeah, we did experiments with uh, pyramids. We built pyramids according to the instructions that were given in the books. You know, pyramids supposedly would keep... Uh, food from rotting if you'd put food inside of the that's right build a certain way and it would it would sharpen uh, razor blades and keep them keep them in good condition and not rust uh, we didn't have any luck with that we did hook up a couple of plants to an eight channel physiograph machine and did some experiments with that and we found that philodendrons the plant philodendrons 
appeared to be able to identify specific individuals and have feelings. And I know that's bizarre and it would take a while to explain it all. Uh, but that was the only thing that we did that really was uh, impressed us all with the philodendron plants, hooking them up and doing an experiment. And the plant was plants. We did it with two different ones. We're really able to uh, identify individuals. Very strange. We had a kid in high school, Greg, who wore a pyramid hat. It was a metal pyramid that just fit over his head. And the kid aced his classes. Now, I don't know if that had anything to do with him acing his classes, but he would come into school every day and wear a pyramid hat, and he said it gave him extra power and energy. Well, you know, you have just put a picture in everybody's mind of seeing some kid gone into a high school with with a pyramid on his head. Uh, And I'm not sure I'm going to get that picture out of my mind here. (laughs) Uh, I have seen people with, you know, the aluminum foil hats and all that. And there probably is something to that, by the way. Uh, You know, you may have heard if you want to stop your cell phone signal, you need to wrap your cell phone in aluminum foil. I don't remember how many layers they've said. You need that, yeah. Uh, But uh, aluminum foil does block electromagnetic signals. Uh, and that, uh, of course, fits rather prominently in the book that Andrew and I did. But, yeah, uh, I've seen people do similar things with aluminum foil. I have seen people experiment with pyramids, and we did it too. Uh, but we never had any luck with it. Uh, our food rotted in it. Uh, the the razor blades didn't get sharp. Uh, there were several other things we did with the pyramids, but it may have something to do with, with the construction that we used. They weren't that could be. stone or metal. Yeah. Is it supposed to draw in energy from the planet or the the universe or something? Well, it's supposed to draw it's supposed to focus energy into the center of the pyramid, yes. I don't think anybody ever said whether it was cosmic rays or whether it was electromagnetic energy or plasma or whatever. Uh, I don't recall that ever being written in any of the books. It might have been, but of course that was a long time ago. But it's supposed to focus energy. Uh, That's what it's supposed to do. And that energy does something, I guess, depending on what the angles are and so on. All that matters. It gets gets really complicated when you get into the specifics of it. We're with Greg Little. His latest book that he wrote with Andrew Collins is called Origins of the Gods. Give us a little premise of this book, Origins of the Gods. Well, it's really, like I said, it's really about trying to explain everything in the paranormal field. Try to come up with explanations of all of it. So we've tried to explain like the Navy's recent uh, film of the Tic Tac Mm -hmm. objects. Uh, We're trying to explain ancient alien reports, the ancient reports of angels, uh, the fairies of England, the jinn of the Muslim world, uh, we were interested also in modern UFOs, modern UFO abductions, the 1950s and 60s contactees, apparitional phenomena. There's a lot of apparitional phenomena. People like Joan of Arc and Edgar Casey, and we, Andrew and I really wanted to come up with sort of a comprehensive explanation for the whole paranormal field. And it is complicated, and it involves more than one factor. There is no one thing that explains it all, and the truth is there's a lot going on at the same time. But there's an underlying core to this, uh, and this underlying core to it all is the explanation of the most bizarre stuff of all. Uh, And it's been around a long time, and it is what 
uh, shaman have been trying to interact with for all time. Uh, it's what people that are mystics and probably even religion tries to manipulate and somehow merge or harmonize with this force. Uh, but it's also been fa it's also in the entire Native American lore and mythology. Uh, and that was really my main focus in the book. I really focused on the Native American beliefs about it, what they've said about um, not really ancient aliens, but ancient visitations from the stars that the, the Native Americans never said that, that these are people coming from other stars, although they do have a few legends of beings coming down and said they were from the stars, uh, but they didn't stay. Anyway, that that's the thumbnail of it. Uh, but like I said, it's it's got a lot of moving pieces in it. Uh, there is no one explanation to all of it, but there is a core that is exceedingly bizarre. Very, very strange. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. 
Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Are you a believer, Greg, in the ancient astronaut theory? Well, yes, uh, I am. And I'll tell you what really convinced me. It was um, Carl Sagan. Really? Carl Sagan. Yep, Carl Sagan, probably the greatest and most well-known skeptic of all time, probably the best-known uh, astronomer in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and he's still very famous. Carl Sagan wrote an article in 1963 in a journal called Space and Science. Uh, and in that journal article, he calculated the odds of life being elsewhere in the universe and in the galaxy that were in the Milky Way. And he also then calculated the probability that they could have visited Earth. And the conclusion that he made is rather stunning. And this, this is quote, uh, close to an exact quote. Roughly two million years ago, he said, they would have begun to monitor Earth. Aliens would have, these, these advanced civilizations. And after the end of the last ice age, they would have greatly increased the visitation. And he concluded by saying that they would have visited Earth around 10,000 times. Wow. 10,000 different visits over a roughly two million year period. Now that sounds like a lot of time, a lot of visits, and it is, but if you divide it by two million years, you've got a visit every 200 years. So he said initially they wouldn't have come very often. Uh, 200,000 years ago, we were in the last ice age. Uh, Two million years ago, there weren't many humans running around at the time. And what Sagan said is when, when human beings began populating everywhere around Earth, that is when they would have increased their visitation. But it was really Carl Sagan. There is, and in his article, Sagan even said, this this is strange, Sagan said, take a look at ancient Mesopotamia around Baalbek and in uh, ancient Iraq, look in there, and he said, you may well find what they left behind. So, yes, I believe in uh, the ancient alien thing. I do not believe that everything we see out there is a flying saucer. I don't believe that everything that people are reporting are aliens uh, coming here to visit. I don't think all abductions are aliens. I'm not saying that something didn't happen and that people aren't seeing something. It's just probably not aliens. And even Sagan said that, that the modern UFO phenomenon where literally hundreds of reports are made every night, he didn't believe that those were UFOs, that those were extraterrestrial in nature. Uh, And neither Andrew and I do either. But both of us do believe that there were probably, there were definitely visits in ancient times, certainly. And then Sagan went ahead and wrote that book, Contact, which was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, Sagan actually wrote a couple things. One, I think it's The uh, Demon Haunted Planet, where he talked about a lot of this in it. Uh, And he was of the opinion that there's something else going on, too. And I suspect Sagan read some of Carl Jung's work uh, and was slightly influenced by it. I think he was. I'm almost certain that he was. Uh, But, yes, Sagan... Sagan... Sagan was in favor of trying to contact extraterrestrials to get some sort of uh, 
well, r- routine communication with them. I think that's what he was really seeking. And while other astronomers believe we shouldn't be doing that, of course, and I'm not sure that we should or not, I don't know. Uh, and I'm old enough that I won't be around anyway to face whatever the consequences mm-hmm. may be, good or bad. So, yeah, Sagan was an interesting guy. But, yeah, it was really reading Sagan that, that actually convinced me, okay, there is something to this. I mean, you're on Ancient Aliens a lot. And right. you know yourself that the show the show is great entertainment. And people learn so much from that show about archaeology and sites and science. It's amazing. Skeptics hate it, of course, but the truth is this show really educates a lot of people, and most people know it's entertainment. And I don't think every single thing that humanity has developed or invented or all of the, like the, the crown jewels of England, I remember there was a show on that, or the founding fathers and all that. I don't think aliens were necessarily involved in all that. I think humans did a lot of it. Uh, but it's a very entertaining show with lots of information in it, and I think it does a service. I think it does a real service to us. You had mentioned shamans, of course, and what is their connection with the ancient alien theory? Well, okay, if you go back to, let's start with uh, Carl Jung. Carl Jung's last book was called Flying Star. The Psychologist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technically, Today we would call him a psychiatrist, okay? Uh, but he because he got an MD degree. But at the time there was no such thing as psychiatry, so he was a psychologist. Yeah, Jung's last book, 1959, was called Flying Saucers: A Modern Myth of Things Seen in the Sky. Now he used the term myth in the subtitle, but to Jung, and he said this repeatedly in that and his other books, that all myths have a basis in reality. But the thing about a myth, a myth is that it builds up a mythology around it. And the mythology gets bigger and bigger and begins encompassing areas that the, whatever the, the, the original fact is that caused the myth, uh, it, it wasn't part of it. So the myth, mythology is like a truth that is getting expanded. Uh, so Carl Jung wrote this book, and in it he said that something was definitely real out there and was going on. Something is being seen. And then he said that what we do, and this is where the psychology comes in, we project a meaning onto something that we see and don't understand. And that meaning comes out of our own unconscious and our own belief system. So some people go out and see a light in the sky and they'll, because they have underlying beliefs about UFOs and aliens and so on, they are seeing an extraterrestrial craft in their interpretation of it. Whereas someone who's a total skeptic, which there's loads of them out there, they see the same thing, and what they're going to do is use their belief system and interpret that unknown light flying around in the sky and say, oh, it's just a, it's a helicopter or it's a plane or it's a mm-hmm. drone or something, and we just don't know what it is. Uh, but it's one of those things. So that's basically what Jung said. But he also said that at the time UFOs were in their heyday, it was during the Cold War, really the beginnings of the Cold War, and people were really terrified of nuclear annihilation. So what we projected onto those unknown objects was a desire for salvation. We wanted to be saved. And recently, I've actually seen people say that they don't believe but you you discussed the Ukraine a bit in the first two hours of your show tonight. Yeah. 
And I've seen people say that, well, nuclear weapons will never be used because the aliens will stop it. And that is the same thing Jung was talking about, about our desire for salvation from an outward source, which some people turn to God, some may turn to some other religion, uh, and some people will turn to aliens. So, okay, so yeah, Andrew and I do believe that some UFOs are very real and very genuine. Uh, we do believe that ancient aliens were here. They may, uh, they're not ancient anymore, but they may still be visiting some. But the bulk of what's going on is not that. The bulk of what's going on goes back to shamanism. And that is what Jung really discussed in that book in depth. He said that the whole object of, sh of shamanism is to get into contact with a much higher power or higher force. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.